Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Kings chapter 6 and we'll be going into chapter 7 as well. <clears throat> this continues the miracle work of uh, Elisha, how extensive and expansive his work was during, the, during this time in the history of the northern kingdom. So we're in 2 Kings 6 and we're going to start at <clears throat> verse uh, 24. The famine in Samaria. Now, we just have finished a portion where um, the Aramaeans or the Syrians, Aramaeans, were raiding. They weren't coming against the northern kingdom in massive force. They were just raiding villages and caravans and such. And we saw in verse 20, 23 how because of the events that Elisha was part of, those raids had stopped. You have to be careful in the language because it almost makes it sound like they weren't troubled anymore by the Aramean. They weren't troubled anymore by these raids, but... The king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, obviously becomes enraged over the whole thing. So he's not going to just have a raid anymore. He's going to go out all-out war against them. And it was after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, mustered all his camp. And he went and besieged Samaria. Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. Where the king of Israel lived, in this case Jehoram, Ahab's son, so they've surrounded Samaria and to besiege a city, to lay siege against a city like this means that nothing goes in, nothing comes out. And the purpose is to break the will of the people and of course to starve them out. Now there was a severe famine in Samaria. Behold, they were besieging it until, a, okay, so this tells us how severe the uh, the famine was. They have no food, no food at all. The, the food supply gets gone fairly quickly. And so what happens is people start killing donkeys. And so now a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. And a quarter of a cab of dove's dung sold for five silver pieces. I want... I want, a, I want a donkey burger with a side of drop, bird drop soup. It's pretty rough, isn't it? A quarter of a cab. I meant, how do you measure bird droppings? By the cab. How big is a cab? I didn't get that far in my study. Uh, but I, I'm curious to know. Well, anyway. I can, I can use that in conversations after tonight about a cab of dove's dung. Oh, that's about a cab of dove's dung worth there. Have fun with that. A quarter of a cab, one fourth of a cab of dove's dung. So here are these enterprising people. I'm going to open up a restaurant. I'm going to find every donkey that I can find and cut its head off. And I'm going to make food out of it. And then I'm going to go around and I'm going to scrape up all the bird droppings that I see and I'm going to make soup out of it. 
and I'm going to charge exorbitant prices for all of this. This is how bad it had become. But it gets worse. The king of Israel was passing on the wall when a woman cried out to him saying, Save me, my lord the king. I don't have my my lord the king. And he said, If Yahweh will not save you, how shall I save you? From the threshing, from the threshing floor or from the wine press? In other words, <laughs> there's no threshing going on, there's no wine being pressed. What am I going to save you from? The king said to her, what troubles you? And she said, this woman said to me, give your son and let us eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. Well, we cooked my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, okay, now give up your son and let's eat him. But she reneged. She hid her son. Well, that's horrible. It was bad enough they struck the deal in the first place. <laughs> so one little boy has been boiled and eaten, and now the other one has, had, has been hidden away. And the one, so she appeals to the king, this ain't right. Make her give up her son so we can boil him today and eat him. She hid her, so these people are going crazy with hunger, starvation. It was when the king heard the woman's words that he rent his garments. Now, this is an evil king, and even this is getting to him. While he was passing on the wall, and the people saw him, behold, there was sackcloth on his flesh underneath. So he was already in sackcloth. He's already grieving. And he said, so shall Elohim, so shall God do to me. And so shall he continue if Elisha, the son of Shaphat's head, Remain on him today, remains on him today. He is blaming the prophet, Elisha, for the troubles. Now, so here's an Aramean king. He went to Elisha because he was going to stop paying the Aramean. This a while back, you may recall in our study. He was going to stop paying tribute. And uh, Yahweh was in approval in the sense that Yahweh intervened and Israel was spared from any kind of uh, trouble from the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad. But things have gone on and things have changed a little bit. He's not blaming himself with, uh, with his poor leadership, with his uh, inability to sit down and reason with his enemies or anything. He's not blaming himself at all. He's blaming the prophet. God will do this to me. And so shall he continue to do this to me if Elisha, the son of Shaphat's head, remains on him today. He's going to find Elisha and behead him, cut his head off out of this, out of this crazy frustration because of what he's witnessing inside the city. Women, what stronger bond of love is there than there would be between a woman and her little baby, her child? And yet women are, they ran out of bird drop soup and they're going to start killing their own kids and eating them. Well, of course, this is, 
This is, this is against the sensitivities even, even of a depraved king like Jehoram. This is just, there's nothing sane or civil in any stretch of the imagination. And he sees what's happening. Because when his, when his capital city falls apart, the whole kingdom will fall. Elisha was sitting in his house. The elders were sitting with him and he sent a man from before him. When the messenger had not yet arrived, he said to the elders, have you seen that this son of a murderer has sent to remove my head? He already knows the guy's thoughts. Yahweh is enlightening him. This is before the messenger got there. See that when the messenger comes that you close the door and you shall hold the door fast against him. Surely the sound of his master's footsteps will follow him. While he was still speaking with them, behold, the messenger was coming down to him and he said, behold, this calamity is from Yahweh. What more can I hope for from Yahweh? So Elisha prophesies. He makes a prophecy. We're now into chapter seven. The story continues. Elisha said, hearken to the word of Yahweh. So has Yahweh said, at this time tomorrow, a seah of fine flour, that's a big measure of flour, will sell for a shekel. That's a small, that's a day's wage. And two seahs of barley will sell for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Besieged by a superior force, completely out of food, such that people are eating their own children and scraping up bird droppings for food. And in less than a day, going to have more food than you could possibly want. And the price will be so little, it's beyond your imagination. And all of this is going to happen in the gate of Samaria. The king's officer upon whose hand he would lean answered the man of God and said, Behold, if Yahweh makes windows in the sky, will this thing come about? And he said, Behold, you will see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat therefrom. And here comes really the <laughs> the beautiful part. So you have a king, you have all of his counselors. You have a, a very sophisticated army surrounding and then have all of this think tank on the inside. And then here's these four lepers. You understand this, on the best of days, they only get crumbs from the table. They only get the, what's thrown out. On the best of days. And this is a day when nobody has anything. So here are these four lepers. Now, there were four men stricken with zara'at. That's the skin that, that means leprosy. At the entrance of the gate, and they said to each other, why are we sitting here until we die? This is, this is great. This is just logic. On the best of days, we're hungry. And we might not make it through a week. We're not going to make it a day or two because there is nothing why should we sit here until we die? We're going to die anyway. If we say that we will come into the city with the famine in the city, we'll die there because nobody has anything to give us. If we stay out here, we're going to die. Let's just go defect to the Aramean camp. And if they spare us, we will live. And if they'll kill us, well, we're going to die anyway. 
we'll just die. So they take this chance. Don't have any other. This is the only very narrow opening that they have. They're probably going to kill us. But leprosy and starvation is going to kill us anyway. Let's just go check these guys out. At least they'll kill us quickly and we won't have to die a slow death. So they make their way to the Aramean camp. They arose in the evening to come to the Aramean camp. They come to the edge of the Aramean camp. Behold, no one was there. And you see, at any moment, they're expecting the, the sting of an arrow or the thrust of a spear or the slash of a sword. They're expecting anything. Because any camp like this would, of course, have sentries all around guarding the camp. Nothing. They come all the way to the edge of the camp. While they can see the tents, smoke still coming out of the tents. Now, Adonai had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sound of chariots and the sound of horses and the sound of a great army. They said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired for us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And they picked themselves up and fled at dusk. It's getting dark. Leaving behind their tents, their horses, their donkeys, the camp just as it was when they fled for their lives. Now, a big army like this encamped around and besieging a city like Samaria um, would have had a, a, a logistical train of supplies coming in all the time. They would go out and steal food from the locals. Anybody that was bringing food into the city got stopped and the food went into the coffers of the, of the soldiers besieging the city. They had plenty of food. They had all kind of food. All kind of stuff. And they had some of the best horses in the world, all this thing, all the best equipment they had. But Yahweh took their hearts away from them. He sent a sound that was the unmistakable roar of two mighty armies coming from different directions. Oh no. The Israelite king has sent everything out of his treasury to the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians and they're coming for us and we're no match for them. They ran away. They didn't even take time to take their stuff. They ran. They were on foot. Didn't take horses, donkeys and they left the camp just like it was. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the edge of the camp, here's these four lepers, probably the smartest people in all the world right then because they took a chance. Only chance they had. Wasn't really a chance. There's no such thing as chance in the work of God. So here we go. Now these lepers came up to the edge of the camp, entered one tent. Hey, nobody's here. He left his food. They ate, they drank his wine. They carried off from their silver, gold, and clothing. Look, he left a bunch of stuff. They've been stealing this stuff from our people. They returned and entered another tent and carried off from there and went and hid the stuff. Now one said to another, we're not doing right. This day is a good day of good, is a day of good news. And yet we're keeping quiet and we're keeping this to ourselves. 
If we wait until daybreak, we will incur guilt. Now let us go and come and relate this in the king's palace. Let's go tell the king's people what has happened. This is not good. We shouldn't do this. They came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We came to the airman camp. Behold, there is no man there, no sound of a human, but the horses are tethered, and the donkeys are tethered, and the tents are as they were. He called the gatekeepers. They related it to the king's palace inside. And the king arose at night and said to his servants, I'll tell you what the Aramaeans have done to us. They know that we're hungry. So they left the camp. They're hiding in the field saying, when they come out of the city, we will seize them alive and enter the city. And one of his servants called out and said, well, take five of the remaining horses that we have. And behold, they're like all the multitude of Israel left there. Behold, they're like all the multitude of Israel that have perished. So let's just send them out and let's see what's going on. So they took two riders of horses and the king sent them after the airman camp saying, go and see. And they followed them up to the Jordan and behold, all the way was full of garments and vessels that the airmans had cast off in their haste. And the messengers returned and related it to the king. Remember what Elisha had said? The people went out and plundered the Aramean camp and a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel. Two seahs of barley were sold for a shekel according to the word of Yahweh. Now the king appointed the officer upon whose hand he leaned over the gate and the pe people trampled him and he died as the man of God had spoken, which he spoke when the king had come down to him. You'll see it. But you will partake of it. You will die. So there's this mad rush. All the people that are inside the city. There's all the food and gold and silver. There's all the wine and horses. All we got to do is go out there and take it. They're gone. They left. So a, 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 a stampeding multitude goes out and they kill this guy. He's in the way. He thinks he's going organ <laughs> to organize the effort. And he gets trampled to death. And when it was, the man of God had spoken to the king saying, two seahs of barley will be sold for a shekel and a seah of fine flour be sold at this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. That the, the officer answered the man of God and said, behold, if Elohim makes windows in the sky, will this thing come about? And he said, behold, you'll see it with your own eyes, yet you shall not eat therefrom. And so it happened to him that the people trampled him in the gate and he died. So then who was the one, and we, we account this, we, we credit this to the miracles of Elisha. And who was it that really cared for the people? The man of God who appealed to, to Yahweh, to God, the true and living God. That's the guy who took care of them in the sense of ministry. Of course, it was Yahweh who who placed defeat in the hearts of the Arameans. They didn't even have to fight. They should have sought out the man of God to begin with, and they didn't. But in the midst of all of the troubles they were facing, it was the man of God who told them that they were going to be taken care of. Obviously, this continues to strengthen the ministry of Elisha, continues to strengthen the very word 
of God and the hope that his people can have in him as he looks over us and oversees us and takes care of us, even in the most difficult of circumstances in one of the most bizarre ways you could think of. Four lepers. Remember, Elisha knew what the king, king was going to do before the messenger ever got there. He's going to try to come cut off my head. But here's what's going to happen. Elisha knew this. And the same, the same God that placed this prophetic word of knowledge into the head of Elisha placed this noble thought in the hearts of the lepers. Even beyond that, to where they knew that this had to be shared with the people who were starving to death. And these four guys became even greater than the king in what they had done. They went out on the risk of their lives, knowing that everything was hopeless. So let's just do the only thing we can do. And if we die, we die. But the Lord was there. What a tremendous, what a tremendous story. What a tremendous account of the care of God for his people, even in the northern kingdom, where in that city, most of them were worshipers of another God. Yet God had this covenant with them and continued to look after them, something that Elisha could remind them of and something they would be reminded of even in this case of being delivered from one of the worst famines that you'll read about in the Bible. We will stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.